All right, so that wraps us up for this week. Thank you again for listening to the Working Fans Podcast. So as always, you can find us on Twitter at Fans Working. Our Facebook page is Working Fans Wrestling Pod. We have email where you can reach out to us and let us know what you think also. That's WorkingFansWrestlingPod at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram, WorkingFansWrestling underscore pod. And then as always, please continue to listen to us on Anchor.fm, Google Podcast, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, all your major platforms. If you're following us on Apple Podcasts, which we are also on now, and YouTube, please make sure you subscribe and give us a five-star rating. It helps us bring you these podcasts where we get to talk to you and talk with you every week. All right, everybody, it's the Working Fans Podcast with the man they call Dave. And today we have a lady who's been on the independent wrestling scene in Germany. And she was nice enough to join us today, Miss Alice Croft. Alice, how are you? Good evening. I'm I'm very good. How are you? I'm very good. Thank you for being here. There's a six-hour time difference. So. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah, it's kind <laughs> of crazy. We're sitting all the way over in America. It's already basically late evening here. Yes, but, yes. You know, it's good. Yes, that was fine. Thank you. Hey, I'm happy to interview someone from Germany. Now, actually... Jump! I'll jump ahead here before I get in the beginning. Not just because you're talking about you know being in Germany, have you got to do a lot of traveling wrestling so far? Most of my travels were basically around Europe, like neighboring countries of Germany. I used to be in Holland, Belgium, and I, I was in Austria last year. Okay. So it's little things, but yeah. uh, they were very, uh, very fun events. Well, yeah, you got to pay your dues, right? That's all part of it. Getting to pay your dues and travel. That's right. Do you like travel? I do enjoy it since I get to see a lot of different places, basically. Most of the times you're just going to pass through them in a, in a certain way, if, you, if that makes sense. Because, yeah. you know, you travel to the event hall, you build up the ring, you have the show, you, you break down the ring. And off you go back to the car and usually you're gone uh, at the very same evening. But yeah, it's very lovely. You get to meet a lot of really cool people. And I'm looking forward to doing it again, you know, once the whole corona crisis yes. has yeah. solved itself. Hopefully soon. <laughs> I hope so. So what got you into wrestling? How long were you a fan? And like, what did you like? So I think my wrestling fan day started out when I was like around the age of 12 or 13, I think. Back in the day, before that, I used to be one of those... Typical anti-wrestling people, <laughs> you know, it's kind of ironic because I was like, this fake sport, you know, the, all the stereotypical things you're going to hear. You yeah. heard me saying before I got into it myself. <laughs> but yeah, eventually my best friend, she got me into it. And I think the first team that really got me was the Hardy Boys back in yeah. the day. Then. Mm-hmm. And also my first favorite wrestling character ever, The Undertaker. That's when it started sticking with me. <laughs> That, you know what? That's not surprising. I, I Almost everybody I have on here seems to pick Undertaker as that character that draws them in. Yeah, he's just such, an, such a good example. He's had such a long career. He made an impact on so many people. And by this time, he is one of the most, I forgot the term for it. He knows oh. the most. Uh, he's one of the guys who knows the most about how the business works, how a wrestling match works. And he was just someone to look up to. Yes. Now, what would you say for you has been one of the harder aspects of wrestling? The in-ring work or maybe the promo? Personally, I've always had more trouble about the promo kind of stuff because (laughs) 
I used to be very shy. <laughs> <laughs> so whenever I saw like a camera being pointed at me, whenever I had to talk in front of large group, that would freak me out like crazy. Mm. I would like, I would get a blackout. I didn't know wow. how to speak properly anymore. I would stutter like crazy. Mm. And I've always had kind of a hard time with it, but then I got into my first job as a martial arts teacher where I basically had to do it every day. Mm. And I kind of learned to tackle that fear in a way. And now I'm here. That's awesome. So you have a martial arts background then? Yes, sir. Uh, what particular martial arts? My main martial arts, if you can call it that, has been Hapkido. Yep. It's known to be kind of like the cousin of Taekwondo in a way, but it's um, not a martial art per se. It's more of a self-defense. And yeah, I'm, uh, I'm currently wearing a black belt in that. But I've also made some, you know, I did some trying out in like MMA training, in Kung Fu, in kickboxing. But all of those didn't catch me quite as much as wrestling did. <laughs> so funny, right? From where you started, where you're like, nah, I don't want to do this. And now here you are. <laughs> yeah, it's really ironic. And <laughs> even nowadays, it's been like, what, 14, maybe 15 years? And my friend is still picking at me for that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, I deserve it. They never let it go. <laughs> so where did you break in? Like, where did you get your training? Officially, I started training at the age of 18. Because over here in Germany, basically, you're not allowed to sign contracts unless you're 18 or else yeah, you need to have your parents do it for you. And my parents, they are not exactly the biggest wrestling fans. But let's keep it at that. Okay. <laughs> so I wanted to start out at the, at the age of 16. But, well, I kind of wasn't allowed to. So I had to get on the nerves every day, every single day, no exceptions after that, all the way until I turned 80. And then I went to my wrestling tryout, and I passed, and there I was. What school did you go to to get your training? Um, I used to go to West Side Dojo. It was a little school we had in Oberhausen, Germany. And Oberhausen is actually also where the league WXW, Westside Extreme Wrestling, is having their, let's say, let's say their marquee events. And so I was basically under their flag. Okay, okay. I'm trying to think. Westside Extreme Wrestling. Is PN News, Paul New, I think his name is, would he be involved in that by any chance? I'm not sure I am. Okay. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. I uh, I've been following this guy, and I, he used to be a wrestler in the 90s here, but he's wrestling, and he lives in Germany now. So that's why I was wondering if he was involved in that. Okay. Well, the name does ring a bell, but honestly, I'm no. terrible at remembering, uh, at remembering all kinds of names. It's okay. <laughs> I'm glad I can, I can uh, think of my own when I'm asked. So <laughs> That's great. Now, what about your character? How did you come up with your character? Tell us about your character. Well, about my character in wrestling, I started out being the, the ring crew girl, basically. And while I'm currently not active right now, I'm going to keep. Um, I'm going to say that beforehand. I'm not active in wrestling right about now, but I'm definitely planning on making my return as soon as school three open. I'm going to be back in that bloody ring, <laughs> and I'm going to bring hell along with me. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So I started out being the tough little ring crew girl. There was this lady in wrestling. She called herself the diva of wrestling, Melanie Gray. And she, let's let's say she really liked to run a mouth. And so being a tough little ring crew girl, obviously I had to do something about it. And so one day I placed her off in the ring and she took me into shades of gray and it hurt quite badly. Mm. But 
in the end, I was okay. Ever since then, we had this little feud going on between us up until the point where I got injured. And that's basically where I came to sort of cutting point into my wrestling career until right now. So the injury was probably before COVID then, I would assume. Yes. So I think my first official match I had in like 2015, I think. And it went all the way until the middle of 2016. So you can see my career was cut fairly short at this point. Yeah. But yeah, those one and a half years I really enjoyed. And they, they awoke something in me. And mm. I want that back. Awesome. Well, hey, I wish you luck. I mean, it's an interesting time right now mm-hmm. because with no fans and everything, you know. But I mean, there are opportunities out there, I'm sure. I mean, I don't know about Germany, though. I mean, are there uh, opportunities for... Like, are people running shows right now? Right about the, now, they they can't really, because we're still on a hard lockdown currently. Okay. And from the way things are looking, it's going to be most likely to the end of March. So let's see what happens after that. Yeah. <laughs> but there yeah. will definitely be possibilities for me to get back into training. I have, well, the Resting Academy, is which the Westside um, West Dojo ended basically one day. And they turned into the Wrestling Academy. They switched places and they have a new hall at, at this point. But right now I'm lounging for that school because, you know, uh, basically I know they have a really high standard of training. They have very professional um, employees. So reasonability t- uh, tells me that is where I should go. Yeah. No, hey, that's a big part of it, right? Getting training by the right people who are going to, you know, professionally help you. So that any, any walk of life, right. You want the right people helping guide your career. So. Absolutely. Now, had you gotten the opportunity to do any uh, intergender matches? Not intergender matches per se. I used to have intergender tag team matches. Okay. Where um, I used to have multiple of those, actually. There was this one match I had in Oberhausen against Axel Dieter Jr. Um, no, with Axel Dieter Jr. <laughs> he was mm-hmm. my tag team partner. And um, let me mix it up. And we went uh, against Melanie Gray and cursed back at the time. And that was by far one of my favorite matches. I learned a lot of things there. And yeah, it was a great opportunity. I, the reason why I asked you that is because I've had a lot of independent women wrestlers on here recently. One from Canada and actually both are from Canada. And I asked that same question. And without a doubt, it always seems the same answer is the intergender matches were their favorite matches so far. And I'm just curious, because you're the third person I asked, why do you think that is? Personally, I think there's just more, I don't know the exact term for it, there's more, um, it's a different concept of a match, basically. And there's a lot of different things you can work into there. There's a lot of spots you can do in there. There's a lot of creativity you can let flow into those kinds of matches. And you just basically have a lot of opportunities to you know, built on things and learn new things. It's a great, it's a great thing. Yeah, more story, I would imagine, right? You can tell more of a story in the ring. Yeah, also that. Yes, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, especially, honestly, too, I mean, most times I imagine there's more guys than women still, and they probably maybe have more experience. So that's kind of fun, too, right? You can work with someone who's more experienced. And again, you're trying different things, too. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think the women's pool is currently doing quite good, actually, from the oh, way yeah. I've experienced over the last couple of years. I love the product um, that the ladies have brought up at this point. 
there are so many very talented wrestlers at AEW, at um, WWE, and there's definitely a lot of idols. Mm. You can, um, any aspiring female rest, uh, wrestler can find there. Now, who would be some of the uh, lady wrestlers out there right now? I don't want to say emulate because you're going to probably have your own style, but who are some that you maybe look to and you really enjoy their, um, you know, their performance? Who do you look to and go, oh, I'd maybe like to incorporate some of their stuff? Like, who are some of your favorites? One of my by far favorites is currently Asuka. She okay. is just completely crazy, but she has also this natural naturality to it. And I just really love her style. She's just this lovely Asian lady, basically. <laughs> She's all jumpy and happy, and she makes other people smile and stuff. And that's just really cool. And I think also her wrestling style. She's really, really awesome. Mm. You can really see that she trained in, in Japan. She's amazing. Yeah, she is. And there's of... also Natalia Lightheart. Yes. There's, she's a big idol for me in terms of technical wrestling, especially. And let me think. Ah, oh, there, there are so many female wrestlers <laughs> I would like to stand up with. If I can make a shout out at this point, sure. Alexa Valo. She's a European wrestler. Um, she lives here in Germany, and she's also doing intercontinental style styles of wrestling. And she is one of the opponents I really look forward to and hope that at, at some point can get her into the ring, one on one with me. All right, let's will that into existence. You just say it out there; we can make it happen. Bring it on, Bexa. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. Hey, and Oscar, I just want to say, you know, I mean, great choice. What a personality and what a worker too, like in the ring, in terms of in ring, her matches, I thought with Charlotte were really good in particular. And uh, also oh, that, that side of her, when they did uh, the thing with Becky had to announce her pregnancy and that she had about so, so heartwarming. I was like, Aww. I'm a grown man. I was like, oh my God, you're killing me here. That was so adorable. It melted my cold, dead black heart. <laughs> same same <laughs> any goals for you this year i'm guessing your goal is you want to get back into the ring this year definitely my main goal basically i want to learn as much as possible i want to renew my knowledge as much as possible i want to basically build a fundament so that i can work on and build some something really structured and well well executed mm in a way, if that makes sense. Yes, absolutely. So for now, that is going to be definitely my main focus. I want to learn as much about wrestling as possible. I would love to go intercontinental as well. As well, I want to know what the Asian style of wrestling is like. I want to know what lucha style is going to be like. Right. I just want all of it. It's the best way. Learn everything. Learn a different hold. Absolutely. A little bit of, of everything. Yes. Now, you've been gracious. Social media, anything you want to promote or tell people where to find you? Go right ahead. Yeah, sure. For example, on Facebook, you can find me under the name Ellis Croft. Feel free to send me an invite and join my little army of Lovecroftians. <laughs> and I'm going to take very well care of you. And I'm sure you're going to have a lovely time. Also, if you haven't already, follow me on my Instagram. You can find me on the Ellis Croft profile. Also, in order to join my little army, become one of my beautiful love that sounds awesome all right you got i think you got an army waiting for you after this so i thank you so much for doing this thank you so much for having me all right everybody it's the working fans podcast with the man they call dave and aj stainsboo 
Strange Brew or Strange Boo. What's up, Boo? <laughs> <laughs> and today we're here with a 5-3-1, and we're talking top five Undertaker matches. So I think this is a tough one because Taker's had a lot of great matches. So I, this is it, a tough one. You know, I did, I don't know. I I for me it was very interesting. I, I'll get to my list later. But let's start off. I'll do Scott from Voluntown. He said, you know, stealing from my HBK list. So previously we had HBK's best matches, and much like that list, Scott wanted to include Mania 25 and 26, and the In Your House from 1997 with Taker. Now, when he says the In Your House 97, technically they wrestled twice, but I believe he's talking about their Hell in a Cell match from 97. Oh, it's because, copy. Yeah. The other one was a no contest. It was good, but it kind of led to that. Which, by the way, that's where you really start to see, uh, and I'll get to his last two matches here, but that's where you really start to see the awesome chemistry between HBK and Taker. But his last two matches, he also got Mankind from King of the Ring 98. I think that's his most famous match of all time. And then he's got Lesnar from No Mercy 2002. Yeah, so, no, that's a that's a very solid list. I mean, none of those can really go wrong. Well, that's just it. You've got great people that he's actually competing against in each one of the matches. Mm-hmm. You've got Undertaker's been around for 30 years, so the amount of legends that he's worked with, it's going to be hard to go. Oh, well, that match is the drizzling shits. Yeah, he's worked oh, with people oh. that <laughs> he's worked with some of the worst. We could probably no, pick oh, out. Oh God, we could pick yeah. a worst list. I'm sure. Giant I mean, Gonzalez. It's just some people to Goldberg. Pop the Goldberg match. Oh yeah, that was unfortunate though. Those, that's later in their career, but yeah, that would, it would make the list. I mean, they, but, that almost ended his career. Well, that's one of those things that you never know when it's time to stop. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ric Flair, but it, there is a time <laughs> to stop. Yeah, and I, I and honestly, and it just isn't the disrespect of. That was more Goldberg's fault in that no, match. I think that was very and Goldberg, well, and, and in fairness to Goldberg, he, he did get concussion. knocked out in the match. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but but, he, but yeah. the problem is Goldberg's not exactly known for a catch-as-catch-can no. style of wrestling to begin with. So. No, it was dangerous enough when he was younger. Now he's older, and this is still the same style. It's what he is. This is all, you know, so. Yeah. But what, what do you got? Who we start <laughs> off with? Good luck, Drew McIntyre. I've got Mike Flynn to start off. Okay. He's got Undertaker versus Punk at Mania. I yeah. believe that's 29. I think you're right. Undertaker versus Edge at Mania. He's got Undertaker versus HBA, the career match. Undertaker versus Mankind, Hell in a Cell. And then Undertaker, HBK, 25, WrestleMania 25. Okay. Yeah, 29 would have been MetLife Stadium, which yeah. would have been right before 30. And Punk had just left the company in January of that year. So that makes sense that that would have been that timeline. Well, that's actually the match that uh, Punk got upset about because, believe it or not, he felt like he should have been the main event at WrestleMania. And he didn't feel like the WWE had put him in a high enough profile by putting him up against Taker, which to me is just ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, I (sighs) Punk's not... (laughs) I get where it's coming from, but... Yeah, I do too. This was something like it was very important to him. He wanted to be the final match at Mania, something he never really got. Hey, with the drawing that Punk was doing, in fairness, you didn't really need him to be another loss on Undertaker's chart there. And in fairness to him, he probably should have been main eventing for the world title at WrestleMania. Right. But uh, they wanted to put that guy, The Rock, in there for some reason. Uh... (laughs) I got Mikey and Fred from the Facebook page. He's got Undertaker versus Michaels, Hell in a Cell, Bad Blood, Undertaker Edge, WrestleMania 24, Undertaker Michaels 25, 
Undertaker versus tw- Triple H, WrestleMania 27. Undertaker versus Brock, Hell in a Cell, No Mercy 2002. And an honorable mention versus Jeff Hardy, the latter match, Raw 2002. And a uh, side note, truly difficult on these so many good matches. Now, the Jeff Hardy, of course, is the one where Jim Ross has, I think, one of his more famous calls where, climb the ladder, kid, make yourself famous. And in fairness, that is one of the things that as a single started to make Jeff Hardy famous. Up until that point, he was relatively just a tag team wrestler. Mm -hmm. And that match with the Taker is what did put him on the map first. Forget who I was listening to or what, but somebody was talking about that match really like inspired him was because it was like, you know, Jeff Hardy getting that sign of respect from Undertaker. And he said that was one of the things that blew him away. When he was younger, watching that match, I just heard this from somebody. But yeah, Undertaker, probably, yeah. probably Shawn Michaels. Actually, yeah, <laughs> it was not Shawn Michaels who had already had a well-established career at that point. Actually, funny side note: right before we did this, I had an interview with a young wrestler from Germany that will be on this episode, Alice Croft, and I asked her some of her favorite wrestlers <clears throat> growing up: the Hardy Boys, and of course, the Undertaker. And it seems like, for whatever reason, even these young women that are getting into the business now are like big fans of Undertaker. He's just got that character, which is funny because I'm talking to a guy too, and we're both not (laughs) this supernatural. (laughs) It's not what really what floats our boat. And AJ is even more hardcore because he was classic old school NWA fan. And unlike me, he took it as a rivalry. I didn't know that WWE was a team, but he did. As you know, I, I my favorite Undertaker is American Badass Undertaker. Same, same. I like that strong style. He would just mm-hmm. come to the ring, no nonsense, whoop yeah. some ass. I don't need to smoke mirrors to get me through the day. <laughs> right, and you know, and we'll be fair about this too to give the man his due. Despite that character, there's not a better guy with a character like that. That has gotten over to this level. AJ and I will both agree on that. Absolutely. Nobody else would pull this off and have our interests. There, <laughs> there, there, there's, there's nobody else with a gimmick like that where that we're doing a five three one on. No, maybe Kane. But well, that's yeah, the greatest mass wrestler of all time, of course. But, but but in fairness, I was gonna say he is the number one luchador of all time. So <laughs> absolutely. Now okay, I did Mikey and Fred. Who do you got here? I've got Randy Ozka, the man okay. the, the, with the greatest taste in all of podcasting. <laughs> We've got The Undertaker versus Sean at Hell in a Cell 1997, In Your House, Bad Blood. Sorry, I said in hell, at Hell in a Cell. It's actually doing Hell in a Cell 1997. Yes. This it was the first one. They, yeah, this is before they had Hell in a Cell pay-per-views. This is at Bad Blood uh, in your house. We've got Undertaker versus Brock Lesnar, No Mercy. We've got Undertaker versus CM Punk, WrestleMania 29. I think that might show up a lot. Undertaker versus Kurt Angle at No Way Out 2006. Hopefully that'll show up on some lists. That's a hell of a match. And then one that I'm going to completely disagree with, the Undertaker versus Hulk Hogan. This Tuesday Tuesday in Texas. It's actually Tuesday in Texas from 1991. Okay. That match put Undertaker on the map. We know that. It is one of the worst matches that the Undertaker's ever had. And not because yeah. of the Undertaker, because of Hulk Hogan not trying to put the Undertaker over. He takes right. the tombstone at one point in the match, gets right up from it, takes a second tombstone on a chair, and then goes to the back and tries to bury him to Vince McMahon, allegedly, yeah. telling him that he actually hit the chair where you can clearly see in the video, he's nowhere near the chair. <laughs> brother, this guy's got to be more careful. I don't know about this guy, brother. <laughs> <laughs> 
tried to make it sound like the Undertaker couldn't hold his weight. The Undertaker held him like a baby. We've talked about this before. I think there's certain matches over time, and forget this guy. We've talked about with Flair and Race, in our opinion, with a Starcade match where we thought Gene Kaninsky ruined it. Fucking People Kaninsky. look back at certain things with rose-colored glasses. I believe this is one of them. I'm going to agree. Yeah, that's not really a match that's going to hold up, but oh. it did put Undertaker on the map, so I will give you that. In, in fairness, the match didn't hold up in 92. So, <laughs> All right. I'm going to move on. We got our boy Jesse from New Hampshire. That's going to finish out my list other than myself. So he's got Taker and Angle, No Way Out 2006 as well. He's got Taker versus Rock, King of the Ring 99. Taker versus Hardy, the latter match 2002. Taker versus Mankind, Hell in a Cell, and both WrestleMania matches versus Shawn Michaels. Wow, that's another good list. Rock I feel Hall. like we're going to end up doing like all three matches with Shawn here. Again. Like, but there's a few other ones in here, so we'll we'll go through. Hey, wait one. a minute. Well, the, I was going to say the Mankind match. Yeah, what, Mankind yeah. idea. Yeah, that definitely is a. That's too. got a hell of a chance to hold up. Yeah. All right, so I've got producer Joe who couldn't be with us this week because he's busy producing those sick beats. Sick so, beats, baby. Yeah. Um. <laughs> But he's got his debut match at Survivor Series. Oh, my God, Joe. I can't believe you put that there. Casket match with Yokozuna. Yes. Brock Lesnar, WrestleMania 30. Shawn Michaels, WrestleMania 26. And Hell in a Cell with Mick Foley. Very solid list except for that first one. Similar to the 91. Uh, what casket match was that? At what, what, what event did you say? With Yokozuna. I believe it's the one with Chuck Norris. Okay. That, okay, okay. That might have been that 96? Well, here's the ironic part. We were at it, weren't we? I wasn't. You were yeah. at it. It was Providence yeah. Royal Rumble. Yeah. You actually told me about it. Or did one of your friends go? You had told me about it. I can't people. remember now. Yeah, I know. I, that's what's so funny about it. Uh, <laughs> I tell people, how, he doesn't remember shit. <laughs> so he might have went to this one. but I think I was at it. Yeah, yeah, you were. Uh, you told me very yeah. vividly about everything that happened with the green smoke. And, yeah, uh, I remember. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. In fairness, I've had the most concussions on this podcast. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> All right. I'll give you my list, and we'll give you time to remember yours here. Right. <laughs> I like Scott. I got Mania 25-26 with HBK. I also got the Hell in a Cell with HBK. I got King of the Ring 98 with Mick Foley in the cage. So, basically, I got everybody's Golden Child's list here. The only thing I added was I got Mania 28 with Triple H which was also a hell in a cell at Mania 28. But the big thing with that one, too, is HBK was also the special referee in that. And I really think, unlike some other referees we talked about, he added a lot to this match. Yeah. He super kicked him at one point. Then he went to make the cover, and he immediately looked like he regretted it. He had this, you know, it was really like a story that they all told. It was Even awesome. the storyline of Bret Hart spitting on him and then that being the end of the match is oh, freaking absolutely. That's, um, you're talking that's about, the uh, other one? <coughs> I'm talking about Triple H. and Oh, my bad. You're yeah, right. yeah, tell him to sorry, say, yeah, I, not Bret Hart. I, I like I, Bret. I, I, sorry, I was looking at my list at the same time, so we. <laughs> well, there's a spoiler. <laughs> uh, yeah, I actually, that's kind of funny. I, uh, I never thought Bret and Taker, I thought they had good chemistry, but I don't look at them as either having each other's best matches. But. You actually included him, it looks like. I, so, I actually did. I put Bret Hart versus Undertaker on my list. I think that when um, Sean referees that one, too, like you talked about with Triple H, I mm. thought he added to the match. I thought that it added a level mm. of credibility to it, a level of tension to it, because it, it seemed clear Sean's going to go for Undertaker. And then the spit happens, the accident happens, and begrudgedly Sean does the count. 
And mm-hmm. I thought it added to the match. Hey, yeah, um, side note, real quick, is Shawn Michaels maybe the greatest special guest referee of all time? He's got two of the best matches that I can think of by far, especially yeah. for a wrestler. Usually right. wrestlers look like they don't give a shit. No. See um, Steve Austin versus with um, Brock Lesnar and Goldberg. <laughs> <laughs> Up next, Steve got I, himself over. But anyway. <laughs> exactly. I got Undertaker and CM Punk. I know CM Punk didn't want to be there, but I thought it was a hell of a match at 29. Sure. That that to me was my number two. I do have um, Kurt Angle, No Way Out, 2006. I thought Kurt Angle brought out the best in the Taker, and I thought Taker brought out a side of Kurt Angle that we hadn't seen, more of a brawling style, not just the technical. Shawn Michaels' retirement matches on there, and then Mick Foley, Hell in the Cell. Yeah, yeah, all great ones. Okay, I guess with this list, what we're going to have to ask here is, do we want to include we- Foley? <laughs> yeah, I don't think we can put all Shawn Michaels on there. I think we got to include Foley. Okay. Well, so all right. Here, here's how I'm going to make the argument for Foley. And this is just me from a technical standpoint. Obviously, the other matches are amazing. Yeah. That match could have fell apart. Mm-hmm. Undertaker was able to keep the pace going, keep the – Mick Foley was obviously concussed, having trouble. Sure. And, and all the credit to the world for Mick for being tough enough to just continue. Mm-hmm. But the only person who could lead that match was The Undertaker. So to me, it shows how great The Undertaker was being able to actually still be the ring general in there and lead that match through. So what Sean match do we boot then? Do we boot the one that inspired the sequel, 25, the retirement one, or the original Hell in a Cell one? I say the retirement one and the Hell in the Cell because you can compare right. the two Hell in the Cells between Mick and Sean for c- comparison. And then to me, 25 and 26 are basically part of the same story. Yeah. So that's why I don't have a problem with that. Go with yeah. A lot of people love 25 a little more. To me, 26 was basically the same thing, which was awesome. But you had the element of Sean retiring, which yeah, makes it, so much it, more. It, don't get me wrong. It was no different than Flair. We knew he was getting retired. We knew it was the end of the road. Mm-hmm. But, but it, it was so still, emotional. Yeah, Maybe we're biased. We grew up on Sean and everything like that, too. So it's whatever. But, okay, yeah, I'm with you. So I, we're going to do the retirement match and the HBK Hell in a Cell with Foley's Hell in a Cell. And I think, okay, you know, it's very interesting in this list, right, because you bring up a great point with Foley, what Taker did with that. Now, because of that, and we're going to compare it to the initial uh, Hell in a Cell, I think we'll boot the HBK Hell in a Cell match. I, to me, I have to. Don't get me wrong. I know it's the original. Sean mm-hmm. and Taker put on a clinic, especially yeah. for it being a first time doing something. Mm-hmm. But what Taker did in that Hell in a Cell with Mick Foley, even the spot that he did with Terry Funk mm-hmm. to um, kill time where he chokes <clears throat> Terry out of his shoes, it, it, it is all shows the leadership of The Undertaker in the ring. Okay, now I'm going to make this for the final pitch, and I'll see if you like it. All right, I think we're going to say, as a as a working standpoint, the Undertaker is so basically Joe Joe basically Undertaker. I think that shows his greatest work rate against mankind because he oh. had to piece everything together. However, I, go ahead. No, no, I agree with you. I think it does show the work rate. I just think for, and this is just and me. we're going to go best biased. match, though. Yeah, that's not what we're debating. We're not debating right. work rate. We're debating what was the most match and what's the most meaningful match. And I don't think there's a more meaningful match than the retirement match with Shawn Michaels. Yeah, I don't think a better story was told. Than no, absolutely story. not. Yeah, that's uh, it showed what Taker could do to control the ring. But considering there's, what, 12 years? No, 10 years in between the two matches? 
Yeah. And to see the work rate that The Undertaker still pulled out, knowing that he had had hip replacement, knowing that he has been beat to living hell over that decade, his match with Shawn Michaels is absolutely incredible. All right. That's the number one, folks. All right. You hit it here first. Working Fans Podcast. We're out. Have you ever wondered what happened to Lance Von Erich? Find out in his new book, Lance by Chance, Wrestling as a Von Erich. You'll also read stories about Chris Adams, Ric Flair, June Hernandez, and Billy Jack Haynes. And, of course, the Von Erich family themselves. Get your copy today at LanceByChance.com. Working Fans Podcast. Cool. Yep. All right, here we go. Coming down three, two. back for another week of the Working Fans Podcast. This is AJ. I'm the former wrestler. We've got Dave, the ultimate fan, here with us. As we do every week, our producer, Joe, may likes to make us sound good and makes us look way more professional than we actually are. As always, you can find us on Twitter. That's at Fans Working. Facebook, Working Fans Pod. We've got email where you can reach out to us and please contact us to let us know what you think of the podcast and for any ideas that you might have that's working fans wrestling pod at gmail.com we're on instagram where you can keep up with us at working fans wrestling underscore pod and then you can now listen to us on all major platforms including anchor.fm we're on google podcasts spotify breaker overcast Pocket Casts, Radio Public, Apple Podcasts, and you can actually check us out on YouTube. Now, it's important when you go onto the Apple Podcasts and YouTube, hit that subscribe button, give us a rating, let us know what you think so you can help us out and we can continue to do what we love and bring you guys in as fans. 